Hello, this is Andrew from the Pop Culture Brewers podcast. We're the podcast where we take pieces of pop culture we absolutely love, we do deep dives on them, and then at the end of the episodes, we reveal to you the beers we were inspired to make by it. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and all of the usual suspects. And you're currently listening to Josh and Tyler on the 30 and Nerdy podcast. After you've listened to these guys, why not come check us out and have a pint? It's time to get nerdy. It's the 30 and Nerdy Podcast with your hosts, Josh Davis and Tyler McDaniel. Brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Encore Theatrical Company, Freddy Cat Productions. 30 and Nerdy is a next wave podcast and a bad cast company production. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join the conversation using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. Find us in the Pod Nation on Podchaser.com and rate this episode. Got something to say? Let us know. Email us at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com. Cheers to you, nerds. And now your hosts, Josh Davis and Tyler McDaniel. What's up, Nerd Nation? Welcome to the podcast where everybody knows your name. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. This is 30 and Nerdy, and I am your host of the most, residing in Nerdmore Manor in the ATL. That's right, it's the Duke of Nerdledge, the sire of the Nerdy South, the sweet tea of Nerdlosophy, yours truly, Tyler Mack. As always, great to be joined by my co-host from the Fortress of Nerditude in the town of Morris. That's right, the juicy one, the nerdtorious JLD, the PhD of Nerdology, Sergeant Sound Effect himself. And his name is John C. <laughs> wow. Never I thought never, you'd see I never thought I'd, 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 I'd hear that sound effect come out of your machine. Goodness. Yeah. I've Times, turned to the dark side. You've changed. <laughs> I must have. <laughs> Dr. Davis. Tell me tell me ten years ago that I was going to willingly play a John Cena thing and I'd have probably slapped you in the mouth. <laughs> now listen right here, son. That'll never happen. <laughs> so what's up, Doc? Hey man, it's great to hear from you. Uh, just, it's been a really busy week, man. A really yeah. busy week. Uh, I got the bright idea on Saturday that uh, I knew I had a, a long weekend. Uh huh. Said, you know, there's a, a wrestling pay per view on tonight. The AEW shows on. Wish I had somebody to watch it with. Oh, I do. If I just go to Atlanta. So Emma and I got in the car. Took a little road trip, came down to Atlanta, got to see you and Logan for a little while, watched the pay-per-view, had a great time, 
And we came back the next day, and I found that I cannot do the uh, one day there, one day back thing like I used to be able to because I was exhausted <laughs> two days after that road trip. Hard to recover these days, I, ain't it? Yeah, so I learned a valuable lesson there. But it was great to... I loved the, the impromptu trip, though. It was nice. Um, it was nice to get to watch a wrestling pay-per-view with you again. Um, mm-hmm. And to, you know, that was our first AEW pay-per-view watching, and we all three got to watch it together. Right. Uh, it was a great pay-per-view. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of our friends in the uh, podcast world, like ODPH and... Uh, three fat nerds and all them they'll have their own wrestling shows we won't get too much into it but i just thought it was a great show um a lot of uh, excitement um behind it uh, i think a lot of the fans loved the fact that there were no behind the scenes you know camera angles and stuff like that no yeah. stupid cartoony segments it was just all in the ring and and the stories were told there and that tag team match man was great um so was Cody Rhodes and Jericho and uh, Moxley. Uh, Moxley. That was great. Great show. Just great I, show. I agree, with, I agree with what you're saying. I love that the pay-per-view was 99% of the story was told in the matches in the ring. Yes. Uh, not a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. But, you know, I would not mind the behind-the-scenes stuff if it wasn't so overproduced and so phony. Like, when they do the interviews on WWE... And mm-hmm. the person like says, "Here's my next guest," and it they, the camera scrolls up and it looks like they're just then walking in. Like, why not just be standing there like they used to do with Mean Gene and everything? Yeah. I don't understand it. It annoys me like really, really badly. Yeah, or when they're like a like as if they're walking up on them, they're like, "Drew, Drew, Drew, can I have a moment?" Oh like, yeah, come it's on. Terrible. We know then, you like, were. We know you were standing there waiting. And then, and then the wrestler gets mad and runs off, or whatever happens, and they keep the camera on the the interviewer for like thirty seconds too long. Yeah. And they have to stand there and act like they're reacting to this thing. It's yeah. terrible. It's terrible. So yeah. that's one thing that's a check in AEW's box for me. Uh, of course, I don't watch their weekly tv show so i don't know if they do it on there but on the pay-per-view they didn't and i appreciated that and i think that what little we've seen of aew has really uh cemented jericho as probably in the top 10 man i mean he has he's like a fine wine i have always been a jerkaholic i'll tell you that much. yeah so i mean I, and he always reinvents himself he never repeats anything and it's just right. great yep um only gets better with age um so it's been a, you know, we had a nice day here. It was nice when you left, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not anymore. The rain's back. It's been back for a couple of days. It's ugly. Raining again. Flooding in the yard in places. And I tell you, I've just, I did not know that uh, I was in the scene from Twilight. Uh, because it's done nothing but rain and be muggy except for like two days since I moved here. And I feel like I'm in the movie Twilight. It's just rainy and ugly, and the next thing I know, some terrible acting vampire is going to knock on my door and ask if Bella's home. Forgive me uh, for my ignorance in this, but what does raining have to do with Twilight? It takes place in Forks, Washington, where it rains every day, and it's ugly and gloomy. Oh. It's the running joke about uh, okay, I Forks. That. 
Okay, okay, sorry. I can't I believe that. that I had to explain that. I feel a little, little ashamed that I know that much about Twilight, but... Hey, there's no, there's no shame in watching I had a Twilight, little sister. Man. I had a little sister. Well, so. the next Batman is coming from Twilight, so there's no shame. There's That's no true. Shame. Um, it's true. And I'm, I'm mildly excited. So, you know, uh, last week, we had a nice little discussion about... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there's that, that, that Iron Man pulse. We talked about the Man of Iron, and I thought it went well. I enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, Iron Man's a fun man. He's now one of my favorites, and I can't say that he he was until the MCU. So uh, big big props to Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man and Marvel and everybody, because Iron Man is awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can find that uh, on any... Uh, podcast platform you may listen to your shows on uh and uh in a few weeks it'll be up on our youtube archives if you don't like having a podcast app because you're in the one percent of america right now um and also you can uh check us out at podchaser.com uh we are part of the pod nation group and you can rate our show as long as episodes too and uh when you're giving us a rating we recommend you give us that's right. Five stars. That's what we want. Uh, but this week, however, it's going to be a nice little conversation. That's right. We're going to be talking about the baddest women in the Nerdiverse. We are massive fans of women in nerd culture here at the show and the impact they have made on brands like uh, Marvel and DC, even down to Dark Horse and, and Disney and so on. However, we could do an entire season on all the women. But for now, we're just going to focus on Marvel and DC. We're going to talk about some superheroines. Yes, and Mr. Marvel himself, Mr. Davis, he will be talking about the femme fatales of the Marvel Universe. And, of course, our DC dude, Tyler, is going to bring us his uh, pick from his preferred universe. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. We've got great choices to talk about, and we'll get to all that after a word from our sponsor. All right. Encore Theatrical Company is a volunteer-based regional community theater that uses the power of the arts in live performances, education, and various creative outlets to cultivate and enhance the quality of life in the Lakeway community and the East Tennessee region. There is always something going on at Encore from plays, musicals, camps, classes, community outreach, and most of all, fun. You can follow Encore Theatrical Company on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, get all your information on what's going down at Encore Theatrical Company at www.etcplays.org or by calling 423-318-8331. Come see what the rest of 2020 has to offer. Five women wearing the same dress, Pippin, Frozen Jr., and even Elf the Musical. Come see what's going on here, where it's not just theater, it's Encore. Alright, time for your nerd cabulary word of the week. The word is nerd trap. Nerd trap. The definition is making reference to a piece of nerd culture in an incorrect way 
or a negative manner to purposely bait a nerd into a reaction. Uh-huh. I think that you have been the victim of a lot of nerd traps. Yep. In life. I think you're right. Um, I know I've been guilty of trapping you. Uh, the easiest nerd trap to set for Josh is to mix up something about Spider-Man or bait him with CM Punk praise. Oh, good Lord. Or just be the Rev of Rants himself and send a meme making fun of Game of Thrones. Why does everybody always pick it on me? I just don't understand. I try to... You're a nice guy. I mean... I'm nice to people. And doggone it, people like me. (laughs) Maybe it's because you're just... I don't know. There's something about you that's just easy to pick at. But I'll tell you, man. I don't like it. Knock out one person and people will stop. I'm telling you. How do you know I haven't? I mean, I don't how do you, know. How do you know that it won't be you? If you want to drive four and a half hours to knock me out after I've baited you into a nerd trap, I've deserved it, and I'll welcome it. Because at least I'll get to see you. That's on the record now. <laughs> this is recorded. We have witnesses. So that's your nerd vocabulary word for the week. Use it in a sentence, but don't be too unkind and go around nerd trapping people. It's just not a good uh, practice to be a part of. It's very mean. It's not funny. <laughs> it's not. Thousands of people are affected every year, Tyler. <laughs> From nerd trapping. So why don't we get to your favorite segment, and it is called... Whatcha you watching? So, J.D., what you watching? Well, it's been a big week in the Davis household because uh, Frozen 2... Uh-huh. finally came out on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital. And I did not see it in theaters. Um, it's not that I am a huge Frozen fan, but my daughter is a huge Frozen fan. Uh, uh-huh. She has seen the movie probably hundreds of times at this point. So we are now <laughs> trying to memorize all of Frozen 2. Actually, I have something I want to share. I always swore that I would not be the dad that was like, hey, everybody, look at this picture of my kid. Hear about my kid. My kid's so great. I swore I would never do that, but uh, I'm going to do that right now. So, (laughs) she loves Olaf, right? Yeah. Hi, I'm Olaf. I like Walmart. (gasps) Aww. How about that? How about that? So that is why I watch Frozen almost every single day, and that is why I have nothing else to talk about for what you're watching, because (laughs) it has been Frozen uh, 2 City around here. So uh, I did uh, actually sneak in a little bit of Captain Marvel, just uh, felt like celebrating Women's History Month, Yes, and also our episode today. So I watched a little bit of Captain Marvel, didn't quite make it all the way through. But uh, that's it for me this week. Frozen gotcha. and Captain Marvel. Two mov- movies about powerful women. Frozen Good. is included in that, you know? So Absolutely. We'll, we'll take it, right? Absolutely. Uh, I have been on an uh, Impractical Jokers binge. Uh, I have not fully caught up to their newest season yet because um, I've just been so busy with the move and all that. But I finally got to watch their 200th episode. Um, Jay and Silent Bob were in it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and actually, wait, wait, the movie wait, wait, came wait, wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. Jay and Silent Bob were in it, or Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes were in it? 
they were playing Jay and Silent Bob in it. Awesome. Yeah. Dressed okay. up and everything. Yeah, I got to see that. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, it was an hour long, and it took place in Hollywood, uh, so it was really fun. Um, and their movie just came out, uh, and it broke the top ten in its opening weekend. Nice. Which made it stay there for a second weekend, and it stayed in the top ten. They actually had more people per screen than Call of the Wild the past two weekends. And that had Harrison Ford in it. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just saying, that's a pretty big deal. That's a very big deal. And they, um, they, they technically, they are owned by Warner Brothers. True TV is. And when they were pitching this movie, they were going to all of these Warner Brothers, uh, I guess, subsidiaries that do movies. Kind of like, you know, a Disney subsidiary is Lionsgate. Right. Um, so they were going to all these places pitching the movie, and they all said no. So they free, like, what is it they call it? Um, they did this all on their own. They distributed it all on their own. No company, no, you know, logo to fall behind it except for the Tenderloins and True TV and the Impractical Jokers. And it got such success that Warner Brothers themselves sent an email saying, why did you not come to us? You know, and so um, Pete McPartland, their executive producer, forwarded the emails between somebody at Warner Brothers and him. And the Warner Brothers official said, we'll get to the bottom of this. Our apologies. We hope to be a better support to you in the future. And I was like, somebody's getting fired at yeah. Warner Brothers for saying no. And it's made over $10 million in, in the two weekends. And they That's did it for excellent. like pennies to the dollar compared to that. So, um, so good for them. I mean, that makes me as an IJ fan very excited. Um, and I think it also shows that um, the people have power. You know, I mean, some people would say that IJ is a cult following, but that proves that it's not. That it is a mainstream following, and that we're still ready to watch those kinds of movies. Like, and that's, you know, the success of it is uh, Eric Andre has his own prank movie coming out to theaters. Uh, we are getting a fourth installment to Jackass now. So, oh boy, yeah, um, I guess we're still as as a nation interested in those kinds of movies. <laughs> Sometimes I I can't stomach the Jackass movies, man. Oh, I know. Oh. Yeah. Like when Steve O starts rough. gagging and stuff. Oh yeah. I mean I'm I'm gonna see it. I'll watch it for sure. Oh yeah. There are parts where I'll definitely be cringing and yeah. gagging a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I've also been playing Kingdom Hearts three. Uh it's on the Game Pass. So I finally downloaded it, been tearing it up. Um I like it. I like it a lot. Uh the graphics already have come a long way, um, especially it being on Xbox One. Uh, and made for these new gen systems, not being cross-platformed. Um, I will say though, if you did not play the two games between Kingdom Hearts two and now, you may be a little lost on some characters and some story arc, because people will pop up and be like, "Do you remember me?" And Sora's obviously lost his memory somewhere down the road. And he's like, no, I don't. And they're like, oh, of course you wouldn't remember me. So if you did not play the two games in between 2 and 3, you might be a little lost. 
but it's a great game. Uh, some of the world decisions, we were talking a little off air. I'm not a massive, and this is probably a very unpopular opinion, Monsters Inc. Inc. fan. So when it came to Monsters Inc. or Monstropolis is what the world's called, I uh, yeah. just didn't really have a lot of buy-in to that world. And they also did Tangled. And, nice. Uh, Flynn Rider. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe it's you can t- tell a vast difference between voices because not all the original voices return for the Kingdom Hearts game Yeah. when it comes around. So it's 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 odd hearing Flynn with a different voice. But the guy is trying to be Flynn. I love video game uh, voices because they always <laughs> try really hard to sound like the person, but not quite right. And yeah. You can always tell the difference. Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun. And, and uh, overall, I, I give it a 8 out of 10. I love the game. Uh, it's fantastic, and I've just been having a blast with it. Really you have. better hope that uh, Ursula doesn't show up because if, if, <laughs> if Ursula shows up, then I got to tell you, buddy, then that will be the end of it game over um well some of us know how to beat ursula so i think i'll be fine um i know how (laughs) i know how to do it okay i just don't feel like doing it oh okay okay gotcha okay okay i believe you i believe you okay So, so yeah uh why don't we get on to some nerd news So, quite a bit of news. Um, and this first one took me by surprise when I saw Instagram marketing for it. Um, Monster Hunter. Did you play the game? I did not play any of the Monster Hunter games. Me neither. Um, our dear friend Brett Smith, him and his wife are, are in love with it. They love the game. But a movie's coming. And Mila Jovovich is the lead female role. Um, so that I, I, that doesn't really surprise me. She she's always in these yeah. sci-fi like alien, you know, gory violent yeah. movies like this. You know, Resident Evil and everything. So yeah, it just kind of threw me off. I felt fit. like Sony really didn't um, market it well up until like now. Like, I mean, I feel like I have my finger to the pulse of things, and being shocked is very rare for me in news, and it just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um, So, yeah, I was just a little shocked. Um, I'll try to check it out, maybe. That might be a, what is it y'all say, a red boxer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, next up, why don't you take the next one? Looks like the Proud Family, Louder and Prouder, is coming to Disney+. And this will be based off the old 90s cartoon, The Proud Family. I remember that show. I never really watched it, but I remember it being a thing. I think it might have been coming in about the time that I was sort of phasing out of watching the Disney Channel, Nickelodeon and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know it did spawn a pretty popular computer game called Sticky's Mixmaster, which my siblings loved. To play on the computer. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard if all the original voices are coming back. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a Disney. It's uh, 
they're doing their thing, you know, either rebooting or bringing back things. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be bad quality because, you know, they'll do it. And if, especially if everybody returns, why not? It's fun. Uh, I think you're insinuating here that, oh, they just keep rebooting and, and adding to things and all that. Yes, that is true. Uh, but to be fair, they also have released a lot of new original content that is not based on anything else. If you look on Disney+, Plus, there's a lot of things on there that they don't really talk about or advertise that much. It's just sort of, it's there and uh, they'll not put it in like the, here's what's new to Disney+, yeah, Plus or whatever, yeah. you know. There's a lot of stuff Did on there. Did you see, like adding something you know, a few, week or so. few episodes ago, we talked about there was a show coming about shop class hosted by Justin Long. Right, that came on there, didn't it? It did. I have I not watched that. it, but no, I saw the commercial for it um, on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, hey, I guess it's I guess it's arrived." Cool. Looper has reported some sources out of Marvel, and also, the, of course, the not so reliable "We Got This Covered" gossipists have hinted that Kevin Feige wants to take some creative control away from Ryan Reynolds' hands for Deadpool 3. The producer and star of the show has been a part of Scriptwriter for the first two movies. Not a good idea. No. I think he should be uh, very involved. Now, maybe he shouldn't get the final say-so and everything, but he should definitely be involved. Because the first Uh, two have been fantastic. Yeah, his voice must be heard. Absolutely. Agreed. In an interview with Variety, Hilary Duff said she had been in discussions with Disney about moving the Lizzie McGuire return to Hulu, stating that she would be doing a disservice if she put on a true stories of a 30-year-old as a PG show. I, I, I would agree. Wow. That's an interesting point. Well, I mean, we're 30. Um, if we were... Well, and you- Selling our stories, would you think we could do it PG? Well, we do it on here, so... (laughs) (laughs) I mean... uh, I guess, yeah. Not a bad point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think... I see her point, I do, and the fact that the audience, for the most part of this show, will be people our age who grew up with that... But at the same time, those people also probably want to share that show with their kids. Now that Disney Plus is a thing, they're probably showing that show to their kids anyway. Yeah. I'm speak I'm speaking hypothetically here because I don't know anybody that's like a big major Lizzie McGuire fan that advertises it to people. But um, <laughs> you know, it's I remember back in the day it was a big deal. Yeah. So I can see both sides of it. I don't know. Agreed. Agreed. Wolverine rumors. Have you heard uh, the most recent one? I have not. Henry Cavill is oh, apparently yeah. going to pop up as Wolverine in Captain Marvel 2. Um, wow. Odd, uh, I think, especially knowing that he... Because another... Um, yeah, not gossipist, but... Uh, there is talk of Henry Cavill Superman showing up in Shazam 2. So, kind of be cool to be Henry Cavill at that moment if you were playing both Wolverine and Superman at the same time. Gotta agree with that. 
Um, however, there was a, a poll uh, sent out by this, um, uh, not Rotten Tomatoes, but a, a movie rating official Twitter, whatever, uh, asking people's thoughts on uh, Twitter and all that. And it was Henry Cavill, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Egerton, and then Other. And I clicked for us. I was kind of taken into my own hands. I, I did not text you and ask your vote. I apologize. How but, dare you? <laughs> but I put other and put at Ty Olson, who I have been talking about on this show forever when it comes to Wolverine. He played Benny in Supernatural. He's got the body. He's got the voice. He's got the Season look. Season 7, Episode 3. Actually, minutes in. <laughs> actually, actually, most of Season 7, Benny was in it. Um, so... Season eight, season seven, and season eight. So, wow. he he re, he liked it and retweeted it. Nice. So obviously he's on board with being Wolverine. And I'm not saying that I want you to get back on the supernatural attempt, but if you can just look up Benny on YouTube, JD, from Supernatural, I think you would agree with me. Especially if they went with the Wolverine we grew up with. Yeah. He'd be great. The 90s, kind of growling, hunched, hunched over. over. Yes. Yeah. He'd be great. I hear you. I hear you. Also this week, uh, Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, they released their trailer. Another animated oh. movie coming out. Looks terrifying. Um, it's another Apocalypse Dark Side story, uh, but it has to do with the, uh, the whole team and something to do with Constantine. So uh, kind of excited about that. In a recent interview, Mark Ruffalo was asked about what he wants to see next for Hulk, to which he answered, We want to see Professor Hulk. The only person that Hulk fears is Banner. I want to see those five years between uh, Endgame and Infinity War. Yes. And the ultimate showdown between the two. And I also want Wolverine. Agreed. That's great. Agreed. That's a, a great idea. Give the man his idea. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to him. That's a winner right there, man. Yes. Sure. Yes. Uh, moving on to some sadder news. Inside the actor studio host, James Lipton has passed away at 93. Yeah. I, I lo used to love watching Inside the Actor Studio. Um, uh, something we say all the time comes comes from James Lipton. We go, acting! Yes. You know? That's, yes. That's a little nod to James Lipton, so. It is. Rest in peace. It is. Rest in peace, James Lipton. Here's some good news, though. Mm -hmm. Birds of Prey is nearing $200 million in the box office, which is almost twice its budget. Um, I'm still sort of surprised it's not doing even better than that. Yeah. But, you know, surely warrants what, a Birds of Prey sequel. Let's hope. Uh, it's still doing better than it was, so that's, that's good news. And uh, I think that for the most part, still, I'm hearing really positive things. People, mm -hmm. uh, a, a co-worker of mine asked me the other day, hey, Birds of Prey, yeah, no? I said, oh, yes, definitely. And uh, she saw it, and she loved it as well, so. Good. Good. Well, last bit of news. Did you see the uh, Matt Reeves released a look at the new Batmobile? I did see. It kind of looked like a, like a hot rod. It did. It kind of comes from, there's this series of comics called Teen Batman and right. it's just Bruce sure he's not Batman yet but 
There's this segment where he's going through the garage and he sees this really beat up hot rod that was his dad's. And he kind of recruits a good friend of his who knows a thing or two about cars. Right. And he helps him fix up his dad's old hot rod. So it's almost nice. like his first Batmobile. Um, okay. And the running joke in the comic book is he's kind of surveying it. And the friend opens the hood and a bat flies out. And the friend goes, good lord, the Batmobile. And Bruce kind of makes a face like, huh, that's funny. I Just, love that. Yeah, so you can see that Matt Reeves and his scriptwriters are kind of delving into some pretty obscure areas that aren't as well known in the comic book world. Which is great, I think. Something fresh, something new, something not done. And this... This feel that we've already seen as it's it's going to be a learning as he goes movie. I really hope it does well, man, and I really hope that it's good. I mean, not I don't just hope it does well. I hope that it is really, really good. Absolutely, uh, we we need a good Batman. We need a a good uh, reset of the Batman franchise, and and one that's here for the long haul. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, um, I'm excited about that, and really a lot of the nerd news we've talked about today, but uh, that is the end of your nerd news. Need a commercial? How about a promotional video for your upcoming event or production? Let the coolest cats in town take care of you. The professionals at Freddy Cat have the knowledge, ability, and experience to serve all of your visual marketing needs. They do feature films, documentaries, corporate videos, commercials, music videos, and weddings. You can reach Freddy Cat Productions at 423-231-2839 or at freddycatproductions.com. And there is no doubt that we are back. <laughs> and it is time for us to... On some of the most impactful ladies in the superhero universes of DC and Marvel. It's it's Women's History Month. We're really excited about that. And we thought uh, a great way to honor women uh, in the Nerdiverse was to talk about some of the most impactful superheroes. Tyler and I have both picked uh, 10 who we think have made the most impact, had the biggest influence. There's tons of, of ladies in the comic books that we could talk about, but these are just 10 that we feel like were maybe the most important. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get to that, and I'm really excited to hear about your DC ladies. Yes. But first, I did a little research, and I found the most popular superheroines uh in 2019 based on searches Mm. okay so this is the top 10 and i guess i'll start with uh number 10 first okay do it backwards so at 10 we have the invisible woman oh uh at and this is by month searches by month uh 14,800 huh not that much really kind of surprised me Next, we have Storm at 60,500 searches a month. 
Uh, number eight, Spider Woman, seventy four thousand searches a month. Hmm. Number seven, She Hulk, ninety thousand five hundred. Number six, Jean Grey, at one hundred and sixty five thousand searches a month. And you probably think that I'm leaving DC out. I am not. Number five, Batgirl, one hundred and sixty five thousand searches. Number four, Black Widow, at three hundred and sixty thousand searches. Now we get into the big numbers here. Number three, Supergirl. 1,500,000 searches. Wonder Woman at number two with 2,240,000 searches. And get this, number one. Captain Marvel. Mm. 9,140,000 searches. A month? Per month. That's what it said. My gosh. So yeah, per month. And what really surprised me about that list is that there's no Harley Quinn. That's crazy. Because she's been like really popular here lately. Oh so, yeah. So uh, maybe this list is not accurate, but it's what I found. So. Well, it's on the internet. It's got to be true. <laughs> but it could be that they don't consider Harley a hero; they consider her a villain. It could be. Uh, which would make sense. Yeah. So. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I asked her sort of how she felt about how women are portrayed in comic books and superhero movies and all that stuff and she said she felt like you know it's getting better it's getting to where it's like you know fair and women are represented well Mm -hmm. and you know they don't fall into these stereotypes of like if you think about the 90s in comic books you know all the females had this if you look at almost any cover with a female superhero on it in the 90s especially and it could be before that too. But she had they always have this arch in her back so that her chest and her her butt are really you know defined. Uh, defined, you know, and really sort of the focus. Yes. If she stood like that for real, she'd be breaking her back. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of thing and that you know, all of the, the women in the movies have to wear skimpy outfits and stuff like that. That's finally changing. That's not the case anymore. Uh, we talked about like Gamora. Mm-hmm. Her suit covers her full body except for her arms. Uh, she wears the sleeveless uh, thing. And who else? Captain Marvel. She's got a full body suit, right? Yeah. And even Wonder Woman's. Uh, I mean, she she's a little different because she's always she with the, being an Amazon. Yeah, she wears the Amazonian armor. Kind of tribal, sort of looking. Uh, yeah. Costumes and everything. That's a little different, but still, I didn't feel like her costume was meant to be, like, sexy. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I would agree. Um, You see it also in uh, today's CW shows. Batwoman, Supergirl. Supergirl is not in her normal scantily clad skirt and little red cape. Uh, She is in a full Superman-like suit. Uh, And Batwoman is obviously very... um, uh, clean not scantily clad um yeah and also uh you know like i said wonder woman is a little different but um because that's amazonian armor but batgirl also if you notice through the years has changed to she she when we were kids um would have different varieties of some form of skin was showing Mm -hmm. but now she's fully clad and 
uh, I think it's great. I think um, as we move uh, toward a more um, respectful image of women in superherodom or nerddom in general. Um, and it really started, I think, with the uh, the movement at Disney, you know, with Brave and Elsa and all them. Um, yeah. Women empowerment. And not women empowerment for the sake of it being like a, just a thing. Like, it's, it's, it's not on the nose. You know, like, some people had a small issue in Endgame with the women empowerment moment was just so forced as opposed yeah. to like we talked about in birds of prey it wasn't forced i guess i understand that but th- that scene though featured so many big moments they wanted to feature lots of different groups or individual heroes mm-hmm. that was just their particular moment yes and there was also a lot of people there. They wanted to include everybody. Yeah. And yeah, you can say it was kind of forced because you know, they specifically put all the women together. But it was also really cool and really exciting. I know a lot of women who really enjoyed mm-hmm. that moment. And there's probably lots of little girls out there who got really excited when they saw that. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. Like My daughter can... She's getting to the point where she recognizes certain things that Daddy likes. Like she knows Star Wars, she knows Spider Man when she sees it. If she's going to be seeing this stuff, I think it's really cool that she's going to see that you know these girls in these movies are strong and they're bosses, man, and they don't have to wear skimpy clothes and they they don't have to be like you know on the arm of a guy. They don't have to be the eye candy or whatever. They are the sole heroes of the movies yeah. in some cases. They're not the damsels awesome. anymore. Exactly. So when I was talking to my friend about this topic, she told me about this. There's this test called the Bechtel test. And some of our listeners may have heard of this before, but it's basically a test that asks whether a work of fiction meets three criteria. They are, does it have at least two named female characters? You would think most movies can pass that much at least. Do the two female characters talk to one another? And last, do they talk about something other than a man? So she sent me a link to this page where they did this with all of the superhero movies up through 2017. So this was right when Wonder Woman came out. And... The results kind of surprised me, to be honest. So there was a total of 50 movies that they that they listed. And we'll share the link to this on all of our yes. social medias and yes. stuff like that. But out of the 50, only 24, that's 48%, passed the test. Ooh. They broke this down by Marvel and DC. And I got to say, to be fair, like in the end, Marvel had more. Uh, they had 56% and DC had 40 but they only count for Marvel starting in 2010. If you look at DC, they've got all the way back to Adam West's uh, Batman in 1966. Mm-hmm. And it goes, the first um, movie that they included on the DC side that was after 2000, what did I say, 2010? Yeah. Was not until... The Green Lantern. Ooh. So, and that one didn't even pass the test either. So, they really were not fair to to DC on this one. Um, So, I'll say that. 
But like, let's just talk about some of the things we notice here. On the Marvel side, uh, top of the list, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, it passed the test. It got all three criteria. Yeah. So that's good. Logan as well. Logan passes with all green, all checks. Yeah. Um, was kind of crazy to see that Doctor Strange didn't. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, uh, of course, you re- you look at this and you start to scan back through the movie. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, my gosh. It, yeah. it didn't. And, and th- you know, not passing the, the Bechtel test doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It just means no. that, you know, they, they didn't really feature women the same way that they featured men. X-Men Apocalypse did pass. Mm-hmm. Civil War passed. Guess what? Deadpool? Nope. Nope. Fantastic Four, the remake in 2015 with Michael B. Jordan, didn't even get a single one of the criteria. Well, it failed in a lot of other ways as well. That's true, too. <laughs> Age of Ultron got uh, all green, passed the test. Guardians of the Galaxy 1 passed. X-Men Days of Future Past did not. It only got mm. one of the criteria. Man, this is crazy. We'll definitely share this. Uh, one on the DC side that Shocked me as Watchmen passed with flying colors. That's true. It did. It did. Pretty cool. Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, of course. The Dark Knight passed. Uh huh. Man of Steel. Um, what's a What's a moment in the Dark Knight when there's two women talking? The Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. Two women talking about something other than a man. It would I can't probably remember. be? Did Rachel speak to? Montoya? Could be. Could be. I really can't remember. Hey, here's something cool. Uh, the Superman movies. Yeah. Uh, 1978, the f- first Superman movie did not pass the Bechtel test, but Superman 2, 3, uh, and 4, I don't know what this says. They did pass the yes. test, though, so that's good. Yes. Yeah, this is a really cool thing. Um to check out we will definitely share uh the link to this Bechtel test on our uh all of our social media also kind of makes you want to go back and see where some of them failed well that was really interesting uh but why don't we go ahead and move on to our list i've got 10 marvel ladies you've got 10 dc ladies they're not necessarily ranked we don't really like ranking because it's so hard to choose. So we just decided to pick 10, in general, uh, ladies that we think have been really impactful in their uh, prospective universes. So yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. I have an idea as to who your first pick is going to be. I'm so confident, in fact, so confident <laughs> that I knew your first pick, that I have some music for you. And here it is. Okay. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, now I know who you're saying. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You would be correct, sir. Yeah! Hang on. Because... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're going to make it to where, when I hear, hang on, I'm either going to... I'm not going to immediately think you're founding a sound effect. You're going to, like, turn into the boy who cries wolf. Like, I'll immediately th- start thinking. It's like, oh, okay. We have to stop for a second. I have, like, Emma's downstairs. Or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have... <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I have so many at this point that it's hard to, to get to them quickly. 
I'm just gonna play it by ear. I'm just I'm just gonna just anytime I hear hang on I'm not gonna assume anything. <laughs> that's probably I'm just gonna go quiet. That's probably for the best. <laughs> but you would be correct. Um I think that you can't think of DC without you know, people talk about Batman and Superman, but I, I would venture to say that you have to think Wonder Woman when you think DC. Um Absolutely. She's always one of the big three that start the Justice League. Um she's just as strong most times as Superman, depending on who's billing her, who's writing her, who's, you know, animating the series that she's in. Um, she's gone toe-to-toe with the best, like Darkseid, Doomsday. Um, she, she fights gods, for goodness sake, mm-hmm. like Ares and Hades. She fights gods, not everyday Joes like some of the DC men do. And, and you know, the fun thing about her is, is, you know, you think about... She has this mythos behind her about being from Themyscira, an all-women's Amazonian island that's hidden to the world of men. Um, but she was actually created in World War II, and she actually started fighting like the Axis powers, um, the Nazis and things, kind of like Captain America. Right, made. but uh, I, so, I read somewhere or saw somewhere, that, and I didn't know this, that... Wonder Woman started out as like a nurse for the yes. Justice League or something, and then she became like their secretary or something ridiculous like that, and then yep. they turned her into what she is now. Do you know anything about that? Her, her early days were, were very misogynistically driven, yeah. if, if I will say it that kindly. <laughs> um but I think once that they turned her into what she is now, I think hope and and hopefully we grow into more and more progressive of a world. But I think that she really paved the way mm-hmm. for women yeah. superheroines and uh, uh, just women in general because she she kicks butt. I mean, yeah. you know, I've said a few times on this show that she's my mom's favorite superhero, yeah. and a lot of that is because she grew up looking like. Wonder Woman. Yeah. I mean, when my mom was young, yeah, she looked like true. the actress who played her in the live-action uh, TV show. Uh, and, and she just loved what she stood for um, and how she came to be. Um, well, your mom is Wonder you know, Woman, she, to be honest with she you. She really so is. It's very fitting. She really is. And um, and with what Gal Gadot has done, I don't see uh, the progression of Wonder Woman or the drive for Wonder Woman slowing down. Right. I think it'll it'll keep getting better. I mean, to be honest, man, Wonder Woman has got to be the number one most important female superhero of all time. I think without question. Absolutely. I mean, she she really had such a huge impact on girls for decades now, and the mm-hmm. fact that she's had such a successful run in the the DC universe, uh, the film uh, franchise, uh, yes. with Gal Gadot and everything, amazing. Uh, female director Patty Jenkins. They've got the sequel coming out this summer. Um, huge success. Well, and, it's awesome. And in our, our in our pretty much agreeance, she pretty much saved Batman versus Superman. Yeah. As a character. Yeah. Uh, you know, thank the Lord they introduced her in that movie because she was the saving grace of that film. Uh, and I think just what Gal Gadot brought and the essence that is Wonder Woman is what saved that movie because. It almost proved that just two two guys fighting 
each other, getting <laughs> fisticuffs with each other because they disagree, doesn't sell much anymore. And thank the Lord that we've progressed as a society, and not just society, but as nerds and what entertains us. Because, um, but yeah, man, I, I think Wonder Woman belongs, even though we're not ranking, I definitely would say she's at the She's got to be. No question. No question. So, you're up. Okay, so the first one that I decided to list was Gamora. Uh, Gamora mm-hmm. debuted in Strange Tales issue 180 in 1975. I didn't realize she'd been around quite that long, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. She is, of course, the adopted daughter of, daughter of Thanos after he wiped out mm-hmm. all the rest of her people. And in the <laughs> comics, her abilities are like, and I didn't know this either, superhuman strength and agility. And she had a healing factor. I had never read any of that stuff. I've read the Infinity Gauntlet that Gamora's in because she carries one of the Infinity Stones in that in that yes. story. Um, but I don't remember her doing anything with superhuman strength and all that stuff. Um, I guess I missed that somewhere. But in the no, movies, I she's mean, just uh, a really good fighter. She's like an assassin. Um, she kicks butt. They almost human. They humanized yeah. her for the movies. And we know her, of course, best from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we've said multiple times on here how it's so amazing that Guardians of the Galaxy is a comic that really nobody cared much about. Uh, that whole... I, I'm not really big on all of the space aspects of the Marvel Universe. Uh, but they turned it into this movie, and it was so successful. Like It's a lot of people's absolute favorite. So, go yeah. Marvel. But... Uh, Gamora wasn't really popular until the movie showed up, along with the rest of the Guardians. And she's played by Zoe Saldana, whom I love. Uh, she kicks butt, and that's all I got to say about that. I think what's what made them transfer well is casting and classic rock. <laughs> totally, yeah. The music is perfect. <laughs> I agree. I think Gamora belongs on this list. Um, she's awesome. She kicks tail. She's green. Um but she makes green look good. Right. But had so. you asked me 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have even given Gamora an honorable no. mention, to be honest, you know? so No, probably not. Um, uh, that's probably actually one of my favorite costumes you and Becky have done is Gamora and Star Wars. Oh, yeah, we rocked that. We'll have to find some pictures of that great. and share that with everybody. It's fantastic. Yeah. So my turn. Let's hear it. All right. I'd have to say Black Canary. Mm. Um, she belongs on this list. Now, Dinah Drake Lance, uh, she was the wife of Gotham detective uh, Larry Lance. She was the original Canary. Um, she was depicted as a vigilante. Uh, she had no meta-human abilities. She was just had great fighting skills. But when DC unified the continuity, um, which is something they used to do, they used to have continuity. Um, <laughs> um, they made Dinah Drake, Lance, the mother, and the first canary of Dinah Laurel Lance, the canary we know uh, best. Um, then they, of course, added the metahuman abilities. It followed in the family. They both were pretty much the same character. They were crime fighters. The Dinah Laurel Lance that we know went on to become Oliver's wife and love interest in a lot of things. Uh, The Black Canary that you see in the animated series. um, The Young Justice series. And, uh, of course, we saw her play out uh, from Katie Cassidy in uh, Arrow Show. uh, Which she did a very good job. Um, 
But they also brought in Dinah Drake that wasn't her mom. So they did use some of the old non-continuity stories in the Arrowverse. Um, I think that she belongs on this because she's not just a street fighter. Uh, she's not just kicking the average, you know, thugger or um, uh, sexual predator on the streets. When it comes time, she will also go toe-to-toe with those of the Joker, Dark Side, uh, aliens like the Reach when they invaded. Uh, she's ready to go toe-to-toe with literally anybody. Uh, and has really proved to be a, uh, a strong spokesperson for women's empowerment of um, kind of crossing into the, the domestic world. Um, which I think is a great message. She proved that, you know, uh, girls can kick butt and uh, not have to have really superhuman abilities. Yeah, yeah I agree. Your turn. All right, I'm going to go with She-Hulk. And i got to be completely honest, I have not followed much She-Hulk. I didn't really know a whole lot about her. And in most of the things that I had read that she was in, it was just like her making appearance. It wasn't a featured story about She-Hulk. Uh, but I thought she definitely had to be included on the list because, I mean, look at her. She's got the strength of the Hulk, but she's still, you know, beautiful and elegant and intelligent and all that stuff. Uh, so she's definitely important and I'm sure has had an influence and impact on, on a lot of girls over the decades that she's been around. Uh, Jennifer yeah. Susan Walters debuted in Savage She-Hulk number 1 in 1980. She had to get an emergency blood transfusion from her cousin, Bruce Banner, and then obtained a mild form of his Hulk condition. And so with her, like, she is pretty much permanently She-Hulk in Hulk form, but she still was able to keep her personality and a lot of her looks and all that. She's just kind of bigger, angry, you know? Yeah. Unlike Hulk, who blacks out. The last news that I heard was they're casting... um Homegirl from uh, Mandalorian. Uh, wait, which one? Uh, what's her name? Plays the girl bounty who sides with him. Oh, Cara Dune. Yes. Oh, Cara yeah. Dune. She plays Cara Dune. Okay. She is a the head front runner for the female for She Hulk. I think that's a great right. idea. I could see it. I think so too. Um, apparently, though. There's some comics where the character that Rosario Dawson plays in Cage and Daredevil could become She-Hulk. Uh, what? But that I guess that would mean that they would have to bring back a character of a canceled Netflix show. Well, I mean, remember in the is there not, Luke Cage and Daredevil? Yeah, but is there not talk of bringing that whole that whole side of it in anyway? There is, like bringing there Charlie is. Cox in uh, as Daredevil. Uh, yeah, the big rumor about him is that he's going to be uh, uh, Peter Parker's lawyer in Spider-Man Three. I think that's a great idea. After his after his uh, identity has been discovered. So yeah, I mean, I think it's great. But I I just and I I don't know a lot about She-Hulk or really behind the stuff the character that Rosario is playing. But there I saw some stuff online with people saying that's unfair to the character that Rosario's built in the Netflix. Uh, world, mm-hmm. uh, she should be She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. It's only right. And I was like, uh, okay, uh, cool. Uh, her, but Cara Dune's awesome. her name is uh, Gina Carano, by the way. Gina Carano, yeah. yes, uh, she'd be yes. great. I think. Did you know great. that in the eighties there was almost a a movie made? No, not the eighties. I'm sorry, the early nineties. And uh, Brigitte Nielsen 
you know, from Rocky. She's in. Whoa. Yeah, she was gonna play She-Hulk, but they never completed it. It never happened, which is probably for the best because most of the stuff they did back then, with the exception of Superman, was pretty terrible. So. Bad. I also found out about She-Hulk. Last thing here that uh, there was some uh, version of She-Hulk in the '80s that had like a cross-dimensional awareness. So she sort of did a little Deadpool thing and broke the fourth wall and acknowledged that she was <laughs> part of a comic book or something like that. So, pretty interesting. Cross-dimensional awareness. Yeah, how about that? What a way to comically put breaking the fourth yeah, wall. right, right. <laughs> I like that. All right, your turn. So I think uh, we've discussed this person in detail recently, uh, Harley Quinn. So I'm not going to go too much into, we've already recently d- talked about her. Uh, in our Birds of Prey episode, so if you want to know more about her, go back and listen to that. Um, I think that she belongs on this list because she, as a character, kind of subconsciously spoke to women about you know domestic abuse um, because of the way Joker treated her. Yeah, but I think that that message gets lost a lot. It does. Yeah. It does because there's there's so much romanticizing of their relationship. Yeah. Well, and they're and, just and, they're cool and they're entertaining and you know I, I get it why people love them, but they don't look at and so many of the storylines how terrible <laughs> their relationship really is. It's not something yeah, people I mean, should think positively. I wonder about. if they're they're this kind of resurgence of the character and rebirth of the character is them getting away from that. I think so. I think so. Like them saying, let's not address it on the nose that he's, this is literally domestic violence Mm -hmm. at its best. Let's just get her away from him and make her an an awesome butt kick. Yeah, I mean, and they did that with Birds of Prey and remember the, the part where she blew up the Ace Chemicals with yes. that was awesome, and that sort of showed her yes. breaking away from Joker. Like I'm my own person now. Look out, Gotham! Here I come. Harley freaking yeah. Quinn. I think, by the way, I want to give the the new animated Harley Quinn another chance. I will give it a chance when I'm, uh, I guess, out of the mindset that I don't like it. Right. It's going to take me a little while to get out of that. I think. Uh, so your turn. Okay, uh, my next one is another one that I don't know a ton about. I, I've learned a lot. I knew she who she was, and I know she's been around for a while, but had not followed much of her. So uh, Kamala Khan. And Kamala is a teenage Pakistani-American from New Jersey, and she has shape-shifting abilities. And that apparently comes from the fact that she has inhuman genes. So that's pretty cool. So there's a chance that when we get the inhuman stuff, maybe she'll be involved somehow. Uh, She assumes the mantle of Miss Marvel based on her idol, Carol Danvers, after Carol becomes Captain Marvel. She debuted in 2013 and has quickly become very popular. I know that she has been on all the recent cartoons and video games and toys and all that stuff. She will be starring in her own upcoming Miss Marvel series on Disney+. Plus. She's going to be mm-hmm. a playable character in the upcoming uh, Avengers video game that's going to come out, I guess, in the fall now. They pushed it back. 
and she is the first ever Muslim character to headline her own comic book. Which is I awesome. don't know what she is involved with, but uh, Mindy Kaling is involved with the project with Miss Marvel. Yeah, I you know remember. That? I remember hearing about that. I don't know if she's writing or producing or what, but she is involved. with Have it. you ever seen anything with Kamala Khan in it? Um, late episodes of Avengers Assemble, I think she popped up. She is like the super fan of the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, it's it's cute. She, in the Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which I'm, I wasn't impressed with, uh, when she shows up, she's fanboying over teaming up with Spider-Man and everything like that. So, she's hmm. fun. Oh, cool. Your turn. You say you learned a lot? I've learned a lot from this. Yeah. Even even we nerds can learn new things. I have to learn things all the time, man. <laughs> I can't keep up anymore because I'm 30. Right? It gets harder. Uh, so, um, my turn. And I believe that Barbara Gordon belongs. For sure. Not just as Batgirl, but as Oracle. Uh, see, Batgirl, um, in our eyes, was obviously the Batgirl from the 90s, Barbara Gordon. However, she debuted as Betty Kane in the early 1960s. Right. And after Barbara's paralysis, uh, there was even uh, Cassandra Kane, who we just met in Birds of Prey. Uh, she took over the mantle of Batgirl for a while. Uh, however, um, I think that she belongs on this because she brings something that Batman doesn't. I think she brings a uh, different style and uh, somewhat um, a humanitarian feel that Batman doesn't bring. Right. Uh, she's a little bit more moral, I guess, if you will. But at the same time, she seeks that same you know justice that he does. And she does it in a very kick-butt fashion. Now, granted, we have had uh, moments like in The Killing Joke where um, there's a weird relationship between Batgirl and Batman. Yeah, that was really weird. <laughs> very weird. Apparently that um, had happened in the comics before, though. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that she belongs not just on this list for her actions as Batgirl, but even as Oracle. After she's paralyzed, she becomes this tech guru that basically kind of like they played it to uh, fruition in Arrow. That's what Felicity Smoke became for the team. That's supposed. That's the Oracle role, and we also got to see it a little bit in that terrible Birds of Prey series that we discussed a little bit about. Yeah. That even though she's paralyzed, she uses her other skills and her. Uh, to intuition and her tech savviness to lead the team to a lot of victories, not just the Bat Family, but the Justice League uh, and the Birds of Prey. Um, so Barbara Gordon definitely belongs on this list. She also paved the way for women in the aspect that we do belong in this male world of kicking butt, and we can do it also, um, and not have to be 45-year-old women like Wonder Woman. You know, Barbara Gordon was 19, 20 years old as Batgirl. And proving that she belonged in this world with the quote-unquote adults um, that these heroes paved the way for, like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Green Lanterns. You know, it's, it's very rare that we see a major success in these 
teen and younger adult roles, and Batgirl was one of the first to do it. Um, so I think she definitely belongs on this list. Yeah. Uh, my earliest memories of Batgirl are uh, Alicia Silverstone from Batman and Robin. Oof. And uh, some of the animated stuff, she was in that too. So, yeah, I like Batgirl. And if our friend Paige in Morristown is listening, Batgirl is her favorite. So shout out to Paige. She is. Uh, she actually got a little sad uh, with our March Madness bracket because in the first uh, round, it's Batgirl versus Nightwing. Oof. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Batgirl. Part of the bracket. Nightwing's my boy. Um, um, which they have have been uh, seen having very uh, very close romantic feels for each other mm-hmm. in some comics yeah. and some shows. Uh, of course, he's also been uh, pitted with uh, Starfire. Well, they too. both know the stress of working with Batman, so they get it. Yes. They understand one another. Yes, absolutely. So, your turn, J.D. All right. Uh, my next one is Pepper Potts, or also known as Rescue. Uh, I chose her because, especially here lately uh the past 10 years or so since we've had gwyneth paltrow as pepper potts in the mcu and we've had the formation of the rescue character the rescue version of pepper potts pepper has become Mm -hmm. really popular and important in the marvel universe Uh, she debuted in september 1963 in tales of suspense number 45 and i found out that her original uh the model for her originally was after ann b davis do you know who ann b davis is you know that name? Not. Ann B. Davis was Alice, the the maid on the Brady Bunch. Do you remember her? Uh, yeah, okay. Gotcha. So they based, not they didn't base it on Ann B. Davis, but they based it on her character, Schultze, on the Bob Cummings show. And, okay. Right, so, and originally, Tony called her Kitty in one panel. And then they sort of, okay. they went in a different direction. They changed her look and, and her name and all that stuff. Uh, of course, in 2009, she debuted as Rescue when she was given her own Iron Man suit by Tony, and we also got to see that. We got to see a little, maybe a little hint of it in Iron Man 3 when they put her mm-hmm. in a suit, but then we got to see Rescue in Endgame, which was awesome. I was really excited about that. And she knew all the moves and everything when in the uh, in the fight. She knew exactly what to do. They were able to team up. So cool. Rescue was, was awesome. Yeah, that moment where they team up and do like this spinning beam thing reminded me of when you get to do those uh, co-op moves in the Ultimate Alliance games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it made me think of that, too. The the whole camera angle and everything, it just looked like one of those team-up moves. I think it's also Um, cool that like looking at all of the women that we've named so far, their personalities, like their alter egos, sorry, their real-life personalities, like they're all so different. Like Pepper, yeah, you know she's she's a smart, sexy businesswoman. She uh, in like the corporate field, and she runs Stark Industries, and she's able to take care of Tony, and she kicks butt. Like that's appealing to women who might be like her, who are in similar environments. Yeah. You know, I also love uh, the way that Paltrow has uh, portrayed her, um, starting out kind of timid and shy, uh, and just the secretary role a little bit. Uh, in the first Iron Man. Then she also started to get wittier. Um, she started to kind of delve into being able to tell him what what's what and give him the what for. And, of course, we talked about that kick-butt scene in Iron Man yeah. 3 where she fights 
with the extremists. Um, but I also love the fact that she's not a full-time hero. She's more her. Yeah. Full-time. It's literally not a full-time gig for her. It's only when necessary. When she gets caught up in one of Tony's big, you know, yeah, thing. antics. Yeah. <laughs> um, She's busy running that company, man. It's hard work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, my turn, and I, ironically, chose a redhead beauty as well. Hawk Girl. Yeah. Yes, Hawk Girl is one of the earliest heroines in DC. Um, obviously not as early on as Wonder Woman, but she has been de- depicted as Shaira Sanders Hall, Shaira Hall, and Kendra Saunders. Uh, amongst the three different women, um, Hawk Girl has been a member of the Justice League, the Justice Society of America, Birds of Prey, the Blackhawks, the Legends, and a few other um, established teams um, that are just kind of C and D lists, so I'm not going to talk about them, obviously. Um, she's had a few different romantic relationships, mainly with, of course, Hawkman um, and their e- ancient Egyptian mythos storylines. Uh, she's also been linked to John Stewart's Green Arrow, uh, which we see in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, those animated shorts. Uh, they actually have a kid uh, together. Um, and she's even been linked to Zatanna. Fun fact. She has also been uh, a member of the LGBTQ community in comics as well. Uh, and she's just she's just awesome. Um, she's been depicted as one of the founding members of the Justice Leagues in some forms. Uh, I think the biggest slight she gets is in Young Justice. In three seasons, she has one line. And she's just there. And I'm kind of like, I know it's about the young people, but this is hot girl we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has given us some amazing moments. Uh, she has that mace, and she kicks butt. Uh, now, we do have that ancient Egyptian um, mythos with her and Hawkman, but there's also uh, a, a theory and another type of hot girl that comes from the planet Thanagar, that she's actually a race of creatures. Uh, so it doesn't matter where she comes from or who she's depicted as, but Shaira Saunders, however you want to see her, Hawk Girl is amazing. She kicks butt, she's strong, and she belongs on this list. Absolutely. Your turn, my friend. So I've chosen another uh, lady who started out as like a secondary girlfriend kind of character, but mm-hmm. has blown up into a really popular kickbook character. And that's going to be Gwen Stacy. Also, uh, you might know her as ah, Spider yes. Gwen or Spider Woman. Yes. Uh, Gwendolyn Maxine Stacy debuted in The Amazing Spider-Man number 35 in 1965 as a romantic interest to Peter Parker's until, mm-hmm. that is, she died uh, at the hands of the yes. Green Goblin. She was portrayed by Bryce Dallas Howard in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 and by Emma Stone yeah. in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, reboots, the Andrew Garfield version. I love Emma Stone, so that was great. She went on to debut as Spider-Woman in the Edge of the Spider-Verse saga uh, in the comics, which I read most of that. It's awesome, but it got to the point where it branched out into so many different uh, books that I couldn't keep up. But I did read a lot of the Spider-Gwen. She got her own comic uh, based on that. 
she was also in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which we love. I've seen that movie dozens of times at this point. She was voiced by Haley Steinfeld. And Gwen is a drummer uh, in her real life. She is the drummer for the band Mary Janes, alongside Mary Jane Watson, mm-hmm. Betty Brant, and Glory Grant. And in her universe, in her origin story, you know, Spider-Man always has to lose somebody. Uh, her yes. loss was actually Peter Parker. Peter became the lizard in her universe, and she was unable to save him. So, That's a cool universe, and it's always cool to kind of delve into that universe mm-hmm. just to get something new. Um, and I did love her portrayal in Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I always wanted, when we were uh, younger, Dakota Fanning to play Gwen. Ooh, yeah. When we were younger. Yeah. Not now, obviously. Um, did you not think, though, it was weird in The Amazing Spider-Man um, to have Emma Stone not Mary Jane? Because we've known her as the redhead early on, like in Superbad and all. Yeah, I think that they had done a Mary Jane cameo in one of them, uh, and they were going to try to yeah. lead into that after, you know, because uh, Gwen dies in the second one. I think they were going to yeah. go in that direction after the fact, but, you know, it didn't live on. So, yeah, who knows? It did not. Who do you think could play Gwen in this MCU? Who would you cast? Oh, man. As your Gwen Stacy? Well, how old is Dakota Fanning now? I mean, could she not still do it? Or just, should it be someone a lot younger? She's older than Tom. Yeah, that's true. Gosh, I don't know. You put me, what put about, me on the spot. I'm going to. I'm here to challenge you, JD. Well, if you're going to have that PhD, you have to be challenged <laughs> from time to time. Um, I think... Uh, I'll have to think on it and it'll uh, hit me. What She's in the movie Kick-Ass. What, is it uh, Mortez? Mortez? Oh, uh, yeah. The one that... Uh, Chloe or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. She was in... I think she'd be good. She was in... Uh, uh, I can't remember. She was good. I think she'd be a good Gwen Stacy. But I like her choice. I definitely think Gwen belongs on this list. And I love how the past two didn't start out as these uber heroes. Yeah. Proving that you don't have to be a hero to lead the way for women. You are a hero just for leading the way. Yeah. My next one um, is pretty recent. It's Batwoman. Um, she is not the oldest on the shelf <laughs> by any means. Wealthy heiress Kate Kane, who is Bruce Wayne's cousin, she debuted in August of 2006. And as Batwoman in September of 2006. She has been affiliated with the Batman Incorporated, the DEO, and even the Justice League. Um, she was actually inspired by the acts of Batman and started her own kind of crusade as Batwoman before she even found out that her cousin was Batman. Interesting. So it had nothing to do originally with, oh, Bruce is doing it, so I can do it. She was just inspired by what Batman was doing, and he disappeared for a while, so she took up the mantle. And it wasn't until then that she found out, oh my god, Bruce has been Batman this entire time. I've got to find Bruce. Um... She's played really well by Ruby Rose in the uh, live-action depiction of her in CW. She's, she, it's done very well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's kind of brought some validity to the character. And Batwoman, um, as most people now know, uh, is, is is gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has even been linked to uh, dating Renee Montoya. Most yeah, I think I knew that, and she was in the 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 Bad Blood animated movie. I remember her from that. Yes, yeah. that was good. Yeah. That was that was a good movie. So she has been a powerful uh, mentor to kind of read into and to watch for the LGBTQ community. Um, she has single handedly came onto the scene late to the game and paved a strong path for herself in the comics as well as now in this live-action series. Um, I think Batwoman belongs on this list over a lot of the uh, older characters because of the impact she has already made. And uh, especially in a world where the new, I guess, chic minority is LGBTQ for some reason. Um, I think that Batwoman belongs, and I think she will uh, continue to fight and be a powerful uh, role model for people uh, in many years to come. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I, be- I believe it is your turn, Doctor. I think we're halfway done with our list here, aren't we? Whoa, yeah. we're halfway there. Wow. I haven't warmed it up today, sorry. <clears throat> your turn. Thank you. <laughs> you sure you don't want to you know, do a little concert here? Sing over the no. sing over my Marvel ladies. Uh, all right, Marvel girls, Marvel girls. JD's talking about Marvel girls. That's good. That's good. We're gonna save that. Okay, this is uh, Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. She's iconic, right? She is the first lady of Marvel. You know, the first family, Fantastic Four. She was originally known as the Invisible Girl. And she debuted in 1961 in the Fantastic Four, number one. She was the first female superheroine created by Marvel in the Silver Age of Comics. Very cool. After receiving her powers by being exposed to a cosmic storm, she gains the powers of invisibility and force fields. Now, back in the day, we saw Jessica Alba as the Invisible Woman in the 2005 and 2007 Fantastic Four movies. Uh, which, at the time, I I really enjoyed them. I haven't watched them in years, yes. so I, maybe I won't, and I'll, I'll keep them uh, in a positive light in my memory. Keep them in a positive yeah, light. Because I enjoyed them a lot at the time. I made the mistake of, of going back and watching uh, on TV before I moved. Silver Surfer was on TV one day, and I made the mistake of watching it. Yeah. So let me be the first to say, keep them in that positive vault. That I you think have I them will. I think I will. She was also played by uh, Kata or Kata Kata Mara in the 2015 Fantastic Four reboot, which we don't really uh, talk about. That we are yet to see her in the MCU. Uh, we are anxiously awaiting her arrival, though it's going to happen uh, probably very soon. We, of course, have talked about how we want Emily Blunt to play her. Alongside her real-life mm-hmm. husband, John Krasinski, uh, him as Reed. That would be so cool. Sue uh, definitely holds the, the family together in the Fantastic Four. She's always the voice of reason. Um, and to be able to do that with such big personalities like Reed and Ben and, and Johnny, you know, that takes her brother. That takes a lot of patience. So uh, yeah. go, go Sue. 
Uh, not only does she have genius level intellect, but she's also a formidable unarmed combatant. She was, and I did not know this, she was trained in judo by Mr. Fantastic. And uh, she had additional training and coaching from Iron Fist, The Thing, Ah. and She-Hulk. Wow. Did not know that. She's a force to be reckoned with then, just with her fisticuffs. And also, fun little extra fact, in Marvel Ultimate Alliance, the first game in 2000 six or whenever it was she was mm-hmm. voiced by Winnie from the Wonder Years I knew that uh, because Winnie also voices Miss Martian in Young Justice yeah so ah, I love Sue Storm and like 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 you said she it's we've been patiently waiting um, it feels weird saying that we've waited this long for the first family to be in the MCU and that stinks mm-hmm. uh, that we've had to wait, but you know all that red tape and ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, but I can't wait to see her and how they do the what brought the Fantastic Four. Is the cosmic thing the snap that gave them their powers? I can't wait for them and the mutants' explanation. Yep. Because you know that Feige and them, they're going to do it to where it's like, it's not an origin that we have to sit through again. I think that, f- but it just yeah. Is. I think that formula works. Uh, it worked with Tom Holland Spider Man. We've just seen it so many times. The being bitten by the yes. spider, Uncle Ben. It's just so tired and 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 it, overdone at this point. So it was a nice, refreshing way to do it. And even Absolutely. in the end of the Spider Verse movie, they just sort of zoom past most of that stuff, or they briefly mention it for all the different. Spider-Man that show up. Uh, so I think that's the way to go. Absolutely. Just a quick little um, so, explanation or a flashback of them, you know, some some reaction to the snap. I don't know. Maybe the snap happens while Reed's working on some multidimensional machine and it makes it happen. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so did, have you went back and watched any of the... Um, Animated stuff on Disney Plus. Animated Fantastic Four. Or di- yeah, specifically uh, then. No, I have not. But I remember when it used to come on uh, Cartoon Network or Boomerang or something a uh, long time ago. Yeah. I watched a little of it then. It was not the best. Yeah. No, it was not. Yeah. Um, so you know and you mentioned Uncle Ben and I don't want to go too much on a tangent I after our conversation about Uncle Ben uh was it last week I think so we talked we talked about it um I thought of three people that could play Uncle Ben in the MCU they can be Tom Hanks okay that that could be also considered if you can't get Tom okay, I was about to say what you talking about I think Willis? John Hamm oh John Hamm would be he good he would be um, I think possibly Christian Slater. Um, okay. And then what if they just used Toby Maguire? Oh. <laughs> um. You think it'd be too much on the nose? Yeah, I still want him to actually be Spider-Man from another universe. I mean, we might get it. Think about how Doctor think Strange ab- too. Think about how people reacted when we saw 
uh, J.K. Simmons pop up in the yeah. in the Spider Man movie. You know, I think it could work. I think it'd be great. So my turn. Raven. Raven. Uh, she first appeared in the eighties, uh, which actually makes her younger than I thought she was. I thought she she had been around since at least the seventies. Um, but uh, she she's made a big impact on teens mainly because she has been uh, you know linked to the Titans, the Teen Titans, more. But she has also been a member of the Justice League. Uh, Raven is kind of that empath. Uh, she is the daughter of a demon. <laughs> so uh, it makes for very interesting storytelling a lot of times. And just how she overcomes that, uh, she keeps that red jewel. A lot of people don't know that that red jewel is what traps her father, uh, Trigon, oh. to her. Keeps him from out of this world, but she also siphons his power. And sometimes that gets out of control. And I don't want to, to be uh, uh, known as the labeler here. But uh, she has really made impact on what you would consider emo crowd. Well, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because she's dark and twisty and, and very empathic and very quiet and does not do the um, giddy, giddy stuff very well. And, and she's been, you know, a very a big moment uh, for these teens to latch on to is just because you're different and you may have a dark past or dark soul or dark feels – does not make you a bad guy. You can be a hero, too. And fun fact, I did not know this until I did research. She has romantically been involved with Damian Wayne. I feel like I might have read that somewhere. Maybe. Yes. I might be making that up. Uh, Raven is also in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which I highly recommend and you refuse to watch. But that's <sighs> a, a discussion for another time. Just saying. She is played very well by Tegan Croft in the live-action Titans. Um, at the beginning of season two, she gets the Red Jewel, which is really hmm. cool. I can't wait for you to catch up to that so we can start talking it about it. It is going to happen. I promise. It will happen. Good. All right. Good. My turn. So my next pick is Scarlet Witch. Wanda Maximoff mm. debuted in X-Men number four in 1963. I did not know that she was that uh, early on. I didn't know she'd been around that long. Along with her twin brother, Quicksilver, she was originally a villain and a founding member of the Brotherhood of Mutants, of Evil Mutants. Uh, this makes sense because she is the daughter of Magneto, which we unfortunately did not get to see in the MCU. Not yet. I mean, maybe there's a way to, to make it happen. I don't know, but uh, I would like that. Uh, she later becomes the wife of Vision and a regular member of the Avengers. She's played by Elizabeth Olsen in the MCU. And we will see Scarlet Witch again in the upcoming Disney Plus series, WandaVision, as well as the Doctor Strange sequel, Doctor Strange in the mm -hmm. Multiverse of Madness, which I am really excited about. She is yes. extremely powerful. Like, I did not realize just how strong she is. In the House of M storyline, she is responsible for altering the fabric of reality and she changes the entire universe. Like they wake up one day and everything's different and people like the the Magneto family, they're like monarchs or something like that. I read that book years ago, but she causes that because she had a like a mental breakdown and it just changed the entire reality that everybody knew. Which I think is the going story for this WandaVision show. 
is she's had a mental breakdown about Vision being dead. And it spawns these multiple realities that she's stuck in. I don't know that I, um, that I like that because she seemed fairly at peace at the end of Endgame when she was talking to Hawkeye. Right? Do you remember that scene? She seemed that way. On the surface, she did. Yeah. I guess you gotta you gotta pull it from something, so... Um, yeah. In the Dawn of X series, uh, she's considered the second greatest assailant in mutant history for killing 986,420 mutants. I have no idea. She's that, That's the number two. Do you have any idea who the number one killer of mutants is? Apocalypse. No. Good Sinister. guess, though. Good guess. No. Is it a bad guy? Yes. Thanos. No. Who? Bolivar Trask. Oh, I always forget about that. And Trask. the reason, I mean, he's just a regular guy, but he created Sentinels. the Sentinels. And the number that I read was 16 million mutant deaths. Good lord. Yeah. I guess Ooh. technically you could say Thanos, but I don't think that counts. That's wild, yeah. man. Yeah, we have we have barely uh, grazed the surface with her abilities in the MCU. Uh, yeah, for sure. She had those cool moments where, like in Age of Ultron, she caused all the heroes to have those weird visions, mm-hmm. um, those flashbacks and things like that. That was a really cool scene. And when she felt her brother die, oh, yeah, she just screamed and like hundreds of them just died. Hundreds of the Ultron copies just blew up. I got such a rush from the time, I guess it was in Endgame, when she was confronting Thanos. She's like, you took everything from me. And she really gives him a good fight. Like, she was mm-hmm. really standing up to him. That was a really cool moment for her. So, I'm I am a fan of Scarlet Witch. Definitely belongs on this list. Definitely. Uh, my turn. Uh, Supergirl. Yeah. The Supergirl uh, is the cousin of Superman, uh, Kara Zor-El. Uh, however, uh, her known version is Superman's cousin. But fun fact, Supergirl has also been Linda Danvers, Sir-El, and Ariella Kent. However, most notably is obviously Kara. Uh, she's being portrayed well by Melissa Benoist on the CW show. Um, and she was also in the, uh, the Justice League Unlimited she was given quite a few good story arcs in those cartoons and has her own very successful series of comics. And there has even been a crisis uh, in one of the main crises on Infinite Earth storylines. She dies in the crisis. Uh, and that famous um, uh, comic book cover was Superman holding her dead in, in his arms. Uh, and there's also another crisis comic where the roles are reversed. She's holding a dead Superman in her arms. So... Um, it's very cool to have Supergirl because uh, she definitely belongs on this list because she's made an impact in comics, television, and pop culture. She kicks butt, proving that she does not have to walk in the shadow of Superman just because that she's his cousin. Yeah. And they have the same abilities. I think that she gets a bad knock sometimes just for being the cousin and the girl Superman. Um, but I think she has made her own impact in her own way in this world of pop culture. 
and especially nerd culture, especially with the birth of this live action show with Melissa Benoist, mm-hmm. they've played, they've made her into her own character, and she's kind of, pardon the pun, growing in her own, her own boots, if you will. Um, and that's good. But and, I, and that's good yeah. that that you can see that happening. That she is standing sort of on her own. But I was just kind of noticing that so many of these are like redone versions of male heroes like Supergirl, Superman, Batwoman and Batgirl, Batman. Um, there's a yeah. Hawk Man and a Hawk Woman or Hawk Girl. Yes. And also like on mine too, Pepper becoming a rescue was from Iron yeah. Man and uh, Gwen Stacy, Spider Gwen based on Spider Man. Like there's very Miss f- Marvel. Right. There's, I mean, but luckily she wasn't She-Hulk copying a male. The cool thing about Miss Marvel is she's, you know, the super fan of a, a, a female hero. But it is kind of, is that showing the unoriginality of old comic book writers? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think so. And I think they just kind of thought comic books are mostly for a male audience and they didn't feel the need for as many female heroes. I think that mm-hmm. was sort of the the concept that they had. And then yeah. you know, and through the years, girls have become big fans. So now we're seeing these these strong female characters. But I just I wonder when we're going to see a male character that is spawned from a successful female, female character, character, you know. And another one I just thought of, there's a female Hawkeye. You know? Uh, yeah. So there is there is just, just putting that out there I mean it's just interesting so. it is it's very interesting your turn JD my next pick is Black Widow Natasha Romanova or Romanoff debuted in Strange Tales 52 in 1964 another one who I did not realize had been around that long she started out as a Russian spy who was an antagonist of Iron Man so she was a villain and she later joined S.H.I.E.L.D. and became a member of the Avengers she have you seen her original uh the original black widow she wears the blue mask and her hair is up in a big beehive looking thing yeah yeah she is of course played by scarlett johansson in the mcu she debuted in iron man 2 uh we have the black widow prequel coming out this may and this will be the second female-led movie from the mcu the first being captain marvel of course uh, fun fact, Emily Blunt was originally cast as the Black Widow for Iron Man 2, which I had not heard, but she had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. So it could be wow. meant to be that because she could not play the Black Widow, that she come back to be Sue Storm. Sue Storm. Same thing for Krasinski. He was up for, for Captain America behind. Uh, he even did some uh, costume tests. He got that far. And it just did not work out. This would have been a lot different if that had happened. Uh, but Black Widow, her sacrifice in Endgame really shows you what a true hero she is and how important uh, and what an impact she had on the MCU. And the men aren't the mm-hmm. only heroes. And she was one of the biggest heroes in, in Endgame. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think ScarJo got a bad rap when she was first casted. Uh by a lot of uh, what I call nerd Nazis, you know, um, because they, she was, you know, very American, very 
you know, it's not whitewashing, technically, um, but she's not Russian in real life. Um, so a lot of people, when that casting came out, uh, there were some, you know, lashback from some nerds that I noticed, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed her, uh, Black Widow. Actually, you know, I just read that Marvel might be pushing back her, the date, the, the opening because of coronavirus. Uh, along with, um, Fast 9. Um, and some other some other production companies and are considering pushing back releases because people are not going to people are not going out because of the fear of coronavirus. Man, coronavirus ruins everything. Yeah, no. Why couldn't they call it Miller virus instead? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. That was that was good. Um, I, but I love Black Widow. I love her. And, love you know, her, if you think her, about this, her. too, you know, Scarlett Johansson's known for her good looks and everything. She's obviously very beautiful. But with the exception of there was when she first showed up in Iron Man 2 and Tony's looking at her file on the on the tablet thing or whatever, there's some pictures of her doing, like, some modeling and stuff. Other than that, mm-hmm. she hasn't had to, like, walk around in skimpy clothes or in, or, huh? you know, bathing suits and stuff like that she's had like a full body suit and it's just normal business as usual just like all the guys yes. so it's yes. just pointing out again that like we're finally moving away from that where all the female characters have to be you know the eye candy and and it's such yeah. a focus on their looks it's not a focus so progress i love i love the scene in iron man 2 where her and happy are going to the warehouse and it takes him like an entire scene to box one guy and take him out. And he turns around. And he's like, I got him. And she's taken out like 20 guys <laughs> in that time frame. She's and yeah, she's great. I love her. So my turn. And I, um, I have to say that humans are not normal. Everyday humans are not immune to the impact made in DC or in Marvel. Um, the human is the human is an aspect in our nerd world as much as the heroes and capes and cows are. Lois Lane of Metropolis belongs on this list. She's iconic. Um, she is. You cannot thank Superman and not thank Lois Lane. I mean, heck, they had their own show, Lois and Clark, with your dear friend Dean Cain. <laughs> Your bathroom buddy, Dean yeah. Kane. Um, and her name was first in the title. <laughs> and uh, she's proof that the everyday woman can be just as much a hero as the person in the cape. Her, her tenacity, her search for justice with pen and pad, and getting the story that needs to be told to the people of Metropolis, bringing down corrupt people like Lex Luthor without fighting him face-to-face, fist-to-fist, Proves that she belongs on this list. Oh, yeah. Lois Lane is just as big of an empowerment to women in our nerd culture as any superhero has ever been. Um, and I think she is she is fantastic. I love... The only... Uh, what did you think of Amy Adams? I liked Amy Adams. I did. It was, it was weird for me. I had a nerd Nazi moment uh, when she was not a brunette. 
when I saw the casting. Uh, but then I just kind of stepped back and went, whoa, dude, don't become that. <laughs> you you fight against yeah, that, so don't become that. It, it, I think she did well. Yeah, I, th- I thought that it worked. And I, liked, I think she showed the brashness. Yeah, I liked her being the spunky uh, reporter mm-hmm. willing to go to any lengths and go uh, anywhere for, for the story. She was yeah. cool. Uh, but your turn, J.D. All right, my next pick is Jean Grey, my favorite uh, of all of them. Mm-hmm. I love Jean Grey. Jean debuted in the X-Men number one in 1963. She's one of the OG X-Men. She has telepathic and telekinetic powers, very strong. She's also a powerful empath. Uh, her powers actually first manifested when she saw her friend get hit by a car. That was like the traumatic event that caused her powers to, to come out. Uh, as powerful as she is on her own, the cosmic phoenix force uh, makes her one of the most powerful entities in the Marvel Universe. We've seen her in live action uh, movies, of course. Uh, in the X-Men, she was played by Fom- I can- I'm always struggling to say Femka, Femka. J- J- Femka. Uh, Jensen and Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. The Phoenix was ranked ninth on the IGN Top 100 Comic Book Villains of All Time. Because not only is Jean uh, a hero, a superheroine, she's also a villain when the Phoenix takes over. So she's uh, Mm -hmm. playing both sides there. Uh, But when she got that uh, ninth rank on the IGN list, that was the highest rank for any female character on the list. So that means that apparently she... I don't see how you wouldn't have Catwoman or... Wonder Woman? No, no, it's villains. 100 comic book villains like... Catwoman, I would put higher than ninth, you know, and higher than Jean Grey. Oh, yeah. But she was... Especially the legacy of Catwoman. Yeah, for sure. So maybe they don't consider her a villain on that. Maybe they consider her anti-hero because she sort of moved into that. But I agree. Jean... Jean is... You you wouldn't call her... You wouldn't think of a, um, a heroine being so complex... Jean was the first time that we saw complexity in a heroine, right. in a hero in general. Right. Um, she's such a... It's almost like you have to handle Jean with care, too, at times. Not because she's, you know, a fragile little sweetheart, but because she could kill you. Yeah. With a thought. In an instant. Yeah. <laughs> with a thought. Um, I think Femke Jensen played her well. Um... But again, you know, there's that curse of the Phoenix, I'm going to call it, with making the Phoenix a live-action story. Because uh, as we talked about in, like, early season one, that Dark Phoenix movie was awful. Yeah. And X-Men 3 is tragically known for not being the best live-action comic book movie. Right. Um, and I think it's the curse of the Phoenix because... And maybe it's the writing, maybe it's the actress, maybe I don't know what it is, but getting that complexity of Gene and Phoenix on the screen is just Well, different. and I think that trying to do it all in one movie might be part of the problem, too. Something we could mm-hmm. see with the MCU is just little hints of it here and there, and we know that it's it's that something's there, and they hint to it, and then we get it later on. I think that would work better. Really, the slow burn... Uh, of the Phoenix yeah, story. Yeah, almost like it's the Phoenix saga. Yeah. Like if they ended uh, something on a big cliffhanger, kind of like Infinity War, where 
Yeah. We know we're expecting months down the line there's going to be a continuation of, of this huge story. And that's that's the way they need to do it, in my opinion. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But um, if we were ranking, I'd say she would be your number one. Interesting. Well, she she's really? my favorite, but I think that my last pick is the actual number one. Okay. Okay. Well, I will take the next one. Okay. Uh, this is my final pick in our list. I mean, obviously, you know, we're not ranking, but uh, we, we don't want to sit here for six and a half hours telling you all powerful women. And yet again, it ends with a powerful mortal and terrifying Amanda Waller. Yeah. The, the head of Task Force X, the Suicide Squad, the chairman of the squad. This woman can is so powerful okay, that she can either shorten your prison sentence with a word or with the push of a button blow your head oh, off. Yeah. Because as everyone knows, if you were in Task Force X, you were implemented with a bomb in your neck. Um... And she makes these villains save the world, sure, I would say save the world, but she still has her own agendas in it. Uh, she is one of the few people to make Batman shiver in second-guessing, or I wouldn't say fear, but she is one of the, the first people to really push Batman to his limit in a way of that he can't just solve in a night. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. <laughs> um, um, she she also also has blood on her hands that rivals that of Joker and Two Face. And like I said, all she does is push. Yeah, a button. she doesn't mess around though. She doesn't. And and Viola Davis playing her in the live action world has been fantastic. I love Viola Davis because she's a fantastic uh-huh. actress as it is. Yeah. Um, her power that she brings to every role she the plays, emotion, even if she's man. playing, yes, even if she's playing the not powerful part, like in the Help, she, the, such beautiful performance in the Help, mm-hmm. uh, and also in her show How to Get Away with Murder, um, Viola is just amazing, and she was one of the few times that I audibly, when I saw the casting, back when the Suicide Squad was just in talks, uh, and I saw that. Viola Davis had been casted as Amanda Waller. I audibly shouted in my house. I was like, "Yes, finally!" You know, like a good live-action casting, perfect um, for DC. That is obviously. I was saying, like, finally a good live-action for DC casting. Um, but Amanda Waller belongs on this list, and um, if we were to rank them, uh, I, I would have hard press not to put her in the top three because of just her sheer force wow. of will. And intimidation because Amanda Waller is terrifying. Everything, every even in an animated cartoon, I'm afraid of her. Like I'm just like, God, how does Superman not just like shiver in his boots when talking to Amanda Waller? Top three, um, really? I mean, yeah, wow. like maybe not like impact, maybe not what we're talking about right now. But if I were to have to make a list of like powerful women, uh huh. I would have to put Amanda Waller in the top three, and she's not even a, a meta. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but that's that's the last one I'm going to go in detail on. Who is your last one? My last one, I think, has had the biggest impact for Marvel, and that's Captain Marvel. Carol mm, Danvers. It's even in her name. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, Carol Danvers is basically Marvel's female version of Superman. Okay, she she can fly, she can blow stuff up, she has lasers and stuff. She's she's powerful. She can do anything. She debuted in Marvel Superheroes number thirteen in nineteen sixty eight, and she started out as an officer in the U.S. Air Force, which is a huge part of the movie. We know, and uh, she gained her powers when her DNA was fused with Marvel's uh, during an explosion, uh, a Cree uh, experiment. Yes. She might be the most notable female hero in Marvel, especially uh, over the course of the last five years or so. And she is mm-hmm. definitely one of the absolute most powerful. She was played by Brie Larson, of course, in the MCU. Captain Marvel was a huge hit. It gained just over $1.1 billion at the box office last year. It was the first female-led superhero film to pass the billion-dollar mark ever. Wow. Wow. And did you know, just fun little side fact here, there was a story a long, long time ago, 20, 30 years ago probably, where Rogue absorbed all of Carol's powers and memories, and Rogue sort of became like a Captain Marvel temporarily. Yeah, that's how she could fly and... Yeah, because some of it uh, stuck, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Which, you never know. We may get to see that finally in the live that action That would be... World. That would be really cool. I would enjoy that. I can't wait. Give us the rogue we deserve. Yeah, I can't wait for the X Men and all that stuff. It's gonna be great. So we've. I can't wait. I can't wait for the explanation. Yeah, that's what I'm most looking forward to. Is where have they been? What created them? Why didn't they help? You know, like uh, I can't wait for that. So we have given our list of our opinions of the 10 most impactful for each universe, each franchise, but there's so many that we could talk about, and we had a hard time picking 10, so we wanted to give a few quick honorable mentions, so why don't you tell me all your honorable mentions there, Tyler? All right. I mean, we've got Catwoman, Huntress, Dove, Zatanna, Renee Montoya, Starfire, Mara, uh, Killer Frost, Hot Girl, that I've already mentioned, uh, the other two Hot Girls. We've got Giganta, Katana, Cheshire, Artemis, Poison Ivy, Miss Martian, the list goes on and on. And I think that it proves that when it comes to women empowerment and the femme fatales of the Nerdiverse, I think DC has really helped pave the way for them. Um, but like I said, we could talk for hours on the different women uh, how about you give me your honorable mentions? So my honorable mentions list uh, is Rogue, Storm, Wasp, Peggy Carter, Mystique, Black Cat, Emma Frost, Elektra, Valkyrie, and my favorite, possibly my favorite Marvel lady other than Jean Grey, Aunt May. Aww. Aunt May. She, She's like everybody's granny everybody wanted an aunt may lover wish i could give her a, a big hug and she's only gotten younger and that works for me yes, yes exactly she's like for us she's become she's moved from the old grandmother that we we wanted to now the aunt may is like the wife we wish we had because she's gotten older and old older in like comic book years that she's been around but the casting gets younger and younger as we get an aunt may yeah this has been a lot of fun happy uh, women's history month everybody but there's another little thing that happens in the month of march 
And that is right. March Madness. That's right. March Madness is here. We had 52 brackets sent in and submitted. So while we're counting them down, you get to follow along in the next three episodes for the month of March. We're going to play our bracket challenge and see where the majority leads us and who the final winner is. It's going to be madness. I can't wait. What about you, JD? I'm excited. I can't wait to see how my boy Spider-Man does. I'm pulling for him. Pulling for you, Pete. I, I know you are. And and there, like I've said, there are a lot of um, there there were some weird weird choices submitted. But these people stand by their choices, and I applaud that. I respect that. I cannot wait to uh, to delve into the brackets. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Can't wait. Like I said. We had 52 brackets sent in, so all 52 of you will be receiving a prize from the show. It could vary, but we have a nice little prize uh, pot built up, if you will, here at the show. So uh, I will be sending those through the coming weeks. Uh, If you do not get them before the end of March, I apologize. It is all based on uh, scheduling of when I can get to the post office and getting these things and getting everyone's addresses, really, (laughs) is what it comes down to. So those prizes will be mailed out within this month. Uh, Can't wait to talk about that with you. Uh, We also want to thank all of our supporters, all of our listeners. Week in and week out, we get more and more listeners. Shout out to the next wave the pod nation the legion of independent podcasts out there without you all we would not be where we are and all of our patreon supporters thank you again uh with that patreon support uh we are able to um basically uh the host site charges a rental fee if you will we're able to pay that rental fee we're able to get cool prizes and swag to send out to our listeners at random times. So without our Patreon support, we could not do it. So thank you all very much. Thank you. And you know, this has been a great episode. I've enjoyed this, JD. I enjoy getting to converse with you on Nerd, uh, especially since we are not in the same town anymore. I look forward to this weekend and week out, my friend. Always a blast. And I will catch you next week, and we will catch you, nerds, later. been listening to the 30 and nerdy podcast with your hosts josh davis and tyler mcdaniel brought to you by advertising expressions encore theatrical company and freddy cat productions 30 and nerdy is a next wave podcast and a bad cast company production be sure to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter join the conversation using the hashtag 30 and nerdy pod find us in the pod nation on podchaser.com and rate this episode Got something to say? Let us know. Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Cheers to you, nerds. That's all, folks.